I didn't realize that there was this giant paradigm where it wasn't liberalism or progressivism versus conservatism. It was essentially always liberty versus tyranny. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. What's up, Liberty Lounge lizards? Welcome back to Lions of Liberty, the place to be for great conversations about the ideas of liberty. And I've got another one coming your way today in this episode, the 241st episode of this program, which means you can find these show notes featuring links to everything we discuss over at lionsofliberty.com slash 241. The show is sponsored today by our good friends at Health Excellence Select, who have put together the ultimate free market solution for your healthcare needs. Find out more at lionsofliberty.com slash health. My guest today is a self-described conservatarian. His writing can be found at the Liberty Conservative, at the Jason Stapleton Program, and at the Johnny Ronicket Launchpad.com, all friends of this show. He is also the host of The Remzo Republic, a great new podcast that you've got to check out. He is the incomparable Remzo W. Martinez. Remzo, are you ready to roar? Roar! I'll take that as a yes. Yes, sir. Let's do it. <laughs> I think that's a, a pretty fair way, pretty fair way to start things with the, the, one of our better roars. That was a good one, man. I know you've been waiting for a while to give a, give, a, give us the old lion's roar. Muchos gracias. It's great to finally get a chance. Yeah, man, Remzo. And it's uh, like I said, I was I was on your show actually uh, not too long ago, and you I was were the re- very very first guest. I was. I was the first guest in in the history of the uh, the soon to be uh, you know fabled history of the Remzo Republic podcast. <laughs> and, uh, it was it was honestly an honor to be on your show and to be your first guest. And there's a reason that you chose me as your first guest, and that's because this podcast, Lions of Liberty, is actually one of, if not the first libertarian podcast that you started listening to that really started. In influencing your views. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to kind of get to know uh, get to know Ramzo and get to know where you're really coming from. So before you started learning about libertarian ideas, what were your political views before that? What were your views growing up? What kind of influence did you have in your household when it came to politics? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I was I was a conservative. I grew up in a pretty conservative household. And I think my worldview kind of started to change growing up. I was a military brat, so we not only moved all around the country, but we got a chance to move all around the world. And something that I discovered early on was that as a kid, you know, I, I was born and raised in Arizona for the first formative years of my life. But growing up, something I realized early on was that there were many people out there that had completely different outlooks on life. You know, they didn't have the same type of fundamental principles and beliefs that I had about family, about culture, about life, about work ethic. And it wasn't necessarily always a bad thing. I learned from them. I hope they learned from me. But the biggest thing I realized was that if we all just agreed not to hurt each other and take our stuff, we could pretty much live just very normal, cooperative lives. And that was something that I guess I kind of understood, but I thought other people understood it as well. It wasn't until I moved back to the United States from Australia in 2005 that I started to see a lot of this more hardcore progressive streak hitting. I mean, I was homeschooled, private school, public school. That wasn't until I started, I think it was high school. I was public school for high school that I got to see a lot more of this social justice type of the government is the solution to everything type of mindset with people. And I 
I didn't really think that conservatism was a counterculture at the time, but something I started to realize that from other conservatives was that they could be just as messed up as the liberals were. They could be just as hateful and controlling as the liberals were. So I, I used to call myself for the longest time Mitt Romney's worst volunteer because I knew that I was a conservative. I knew that conservatives voted Republican. So in around 2012, I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and volunteer for Mitt Romney. Well, before I could was it Knock more that on. you were just not a progressive and, you know, so you wanted to vote against that? Was it more that? Yeah, it was more of that because I was stuck in the same left-right paradigm that we're taught throughout, you know, growing up. We were taught if you're on the left, you're a progressive, you like big government. If you're on the right, you're a conservative, you like limited government. It wasn't until I was probably 18 or 19 that I realized that was just a giant load of crap. I didn't realize that there was this giant paradigm where it wasn't liberalism or progressivism versus conservatism. It was essentially always liberty versus tyranny. But like I was saying, I think volunteering with the local GOP before I could knock on one door, make one phone call, I essentially was like, wow, these guys are just as screwed up. You know, they're going after the gays. They hate the Mexicans. You know, if you're on the left, you're just instantly vilified. And I had friends that were immigrants. I had some friends that were gay. I had friends that were liberals and they weren't evil people. They just had a different opinion than me. And I didn't like the constant vilification of the left. But at the same time, I also really hated the vilification of the right. It's instantly, if you're not with me, you're against me. And I just thought, you know what, we could all just come together and we could have disagreements on things, but you're telling me we can't compromise. You're telling me that we can't stick to a basic rule of law. So around that time in 2012, I was basically like, you know what, the Republicans have failed me. They're going to continue to fail me. The Democrats have always failed America. So where am I left? And at that point, I heard, um, Gary Johnson on the radio. He was on WMA, WMAL, Brian and Larry O'Connor. And he was just talking. I was like, who's this third guy? So I start to look out to the third party presidential candidates. I learned a little bit about Gary Johnson, learned a little bit about the Libertarian Party. And then I start delving a lot more into the philosophy. And what I discovered was it wasn't simply that I was fiscally conservative and socially liberal to a degree. What I began to understand was that libertarianism was its own distinct philosophy. It was the idea that free people unchained of the state and other forces of coercion and violence can typically have much more prosperous lives when they're able to make their own decisions. And as long as they stick with those principles and lessons we learned growing up that you shouldn't hurt people, you shouldn't take their stuff, and you should respect the life choices of others, we can get along just fine. I mean, I was a you know, I'm I'm a practicing Christian, and I think my religion also had something to do with that. It's the fact that I can't, you know, I can't drag you by the feet to heaven. I can't grab you by the neck and force you there. And it came with that idea. It's that let's let people make their own decisions. Let's be peaceful. Let's be kind. Let's be friendly. And let's have an actual conversation. And that was pretty much around the time that I realized that libertarianism wasn't simply the smart answer. It was the only answer. So even though, you know, hearing about Gary Johnson first got you thinking about libertarianism and just the idea that there was something else out there, uh, it seems like you quickly came to understand it more as a separate philosophy than kind of how he portrays it, which is really just a mix of conservatism, a mix of libert or a mix of uh, progressivism or leftism, if you will. The, the best of both worlds is kind of how Gary describes it. And, and while that seemed to maybe speak to you at one point, you quickly started to see it differently. Yeah, and I think even the way that I began messaging it, 
even just recently, not just talking years ago when I was delving into it. I mean, I, I got Robin Kerner's newest book, If You Can Keep It, and I'm looking at the ways that he markets it and messages the ideas of liberty. And it's kind of like the same type of method that I began to kind of delve into it with. I mean, I, I've always been kind of a scrappy person. Nothing's ever good enough for me. If someone gives me the answer to a question, my next response is, well, why is that the case? Well, can you get a little bit more specific? Well, how does that make sense? How does that go of this? So I wasn't just pleased with the idea that we're the best of the left and we're the best of the right. I wanted to get more into it. And I kind of pulled a Justin Amash for people that don't know. And Justin Amash was getting into politics and he realized that he didn't really have many bedfellows within his own party. He just kind of Googled his ideas online. And much like myself, I did the same thing. And Next thing you know, all these Austrian guys come up, and I'm like, what's a Ludwig von Mises, and what does he have to do with a F.A. Hayek, Hayek, Hawk? I mean, it, it took a while to understand. One of the best things that – one of the best choices I ever made was I started listening to podcasts, and I just – you know, I searched libertarianism on iTunes. I found your show, and your show was great, and one of the other shows I started listening to, it was only like 10 minutes long. It was the Cato Daily Podcast, and they had this thing in the summer called Cato University where they basically take a bunch of people and they give them a whole bunch of seminars and lectures and talks about what liberty is. And I was, you know, I was kind of ballsy. I was like, oh, you know, I could apply for this scholarship to go to this fancy think tank meetup in San Francisco. Why not end up getting the scholarship to go down. The next thing you know, I'm surrounded by some of the greatest minds in this field of work. I mean, we got uh, Randy Barnett from Georgetown Law. He's with the Article 5 Convention, Convention of the States. We had Tom Palmer, who's associate of Students for Liberty, and so many other amazing people. And what they basically told me was that this idea of freedom working every time, all the time. It's been around since the beginning. And the problem is we all just want to control each other more than we want to free each other. And it, it came to that simple conclusion that you don't have to agree with other people in order to let them live. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a very edgy person. I don't, you know, I'm a pretty square guy, but you know, the fact that I can be a shameless Christian freely is something that matters to me. The fact that I can be a libertarian shamelessly and freely is something that matters to me. The fact that I want to live with certain traditional principles of my life is something that matters to me. And if I want to live my life the way I see fit, I have to allow others to do the same. And I'm hoping that maybe they'll give me the same respect. And when they don't, well, thank God we have the Second Amendment. But it just comes to that basic thing. It's like let people live. Just let them do that, and everything else will just kind of work itself out. It might not always be clean. It might not always be easy, but we've got to give freedom a chance because the moment we don't, we end up like freaking Somalia and all these other crappy places, and I really don't want to live like that. <laughs> what, Somalia is not a libertarian pa paradise? That's what I've been hearing. You know? Everyone tells me to go move there. <laughs> you know, some people just need to shove it and go about their day. <laughs> uh, Remzo, I don't, I don't want to – 
I'm gonna lie. I'm not. I'm lying. I do want to pat myself on the back at least a little bit because I, I honestly, when you contacted me and told me that Lions of Liberty inspired you to kind of you know further your look into libertarian ideas, I that really struck with me because that's that's really why I do this program. It's it's to get people thinking about these ideas, to inspire them to do their own work, their own research, uh, maybe eventually produce their own podcasts. As I'm I'm thrilled to see you. <laughs> so uh, you know, can you just speak a little bit to what really struck you about this show? I mean, what and why it really turned you on to these ideas a little bit more just maybe just maybe one minute of uh you know of, of yeah, giving me a yeah. shoulder rub here <laughs> exactly i mean gr- growing up i think one of my, the earliest incl- inclinations that i had a different way of viewing the world was the fact that i still liked punk rock when everyone was out you know jumping for all these stupid pop stars that were popping up and the thing about punk rock is it was different it was fun it was you know with every band you know some bands are knockoffs but every song had its own unique flair and i was a person that you know i, I want to be entertained i'm not a great thinker i'm not a great messenger i'm not a lot of things but what i want to do is i want to be an entertainer and as i was looking for ways to learn about libertarianism you know i i was not going to read Rothbard's man state and economy. I just wasn't going to do that. That thing's like 12 trillion pages long. I mean, the closest challenge to that was the fact that in my lifetime, I've read Atlas Shrugged twice, but even then, that was something that I forced myself to do. So as I'm looking That's for... That's impressive, because I, I have read it once, but it, it, it literally took me like a year, and look, I love like the message of Atlas Shrugged, but it can be, she's a, not slog. A, great, it can be a slog to get through. She, she's not a great writer, and if you look at... And I, I she's credit, got great ideas in her writing, but you know, she has some difficulty laying things out in a, a succinct way. <laughs> yeah, in terms of narrative, I mean, I, I want to credit Ayn Rand to, starting to get me thinking because someone told me in 2012, you know, maybe if you read Atlas Shrugged, maybe you could find yourself more and it did. But as I was looking for a way to just take in the knowledge of what libertarianism was, I knew that podcasting was out there. All I had to do was search libertarianism and your show was not the first one I listened to. I kind of listened around and all these other places were crappy and I would listen to like 10 seconds worth. And I'm just like, this is absolute BS. This guy's boring. Everything sucks. He sounds cult-like. Yours was the first show that I ever listened to in its entirety. And I think when I listened to your show first and I was like, wow, this is actually fun. This is interesting. I'm having a good time listening to this and I'm learning. I think I binge listened at least five or six of your other episodes. And I was like, this is this is the show I'm actually going to click subscribe to. Well, that's and awesome. from there, I've, there I've been hooked since. That's great, man, because I mean, that, that is what I try to do. I try to take ideas that in many ways are, are very serious. I mean, they're they're basically, we're talking about politics. We're talking about things that affect our lives. We're talking about the application of violence in our society, essentially. So it, there's very serious subjects. But I, what I knew is that, uh, you know, it, something needs to be interesting. It needs to be fun. You can't feel like you're being hammered at by some, you know, some lecturer just about, you know, the Hyatt's you know, 16 best points or, or anything like that. You know, you need to yeah. translate some of this stuff into a, a real conversation. And that's that's what I've always aimed for uh, with this program. So I'm glad to see that that really resonated with you. And I think in many ways, it's a lot of what you're trying to do at the Remsa Republic. So I'll let you detail that a little bit more. What exactly are you trying to do with the Remsa Republic? I'm trying to make America great again. (laughs) (laughs) In in all seriousness, you know, my my favorite shows to listen to are, of course, yours. But I like the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. I like... I like the Jason Stapleton program. And the great thing about all these amazing liberty-oriented shows is that they all have their own unique flair. And I wanted to contribute in some way. I mean, my, I first kind of got my foot in the door through blogging. I started blogging about, believe it or not, it was libertarian approaches to environmentalism. 
And I was like, okay, I've got a breakout. So from there, I started getting into economics and I started getting into education reform. I did a little bit with uh, civil liberties and criminal justice, but I, I just started blogging about everything. Eventually, I went into punditry where I was doing a lot more political commentary. But the thing about blogging is that you're, you're really hoping that you can invest in a really good title and subject and picture, and you're hoping that people won't just go on Facebook, share it with their angry leftist aunt and say, oh, look, I'm right. Look what this guy wrote. Go ahead and read it. But they didn't even bother looking at the article. So I know that with the small attention span of the Pokemon Go generation, I had to kind of attack it in a way where I was going to get people invested and want them to come back. And as Matt Kibbe from Free the people always says politics is a lagging indicator of culture and as i look around i'm finding the great things that people are investing their time and their money in i know that people want to be entertained and while i might not be the smartest bloke on the block i, I want to be able to use my dry pan sense of humor to try and get people in and have these conversations so as i was listening to your show and johnny's and jason's i'm like what what do they all do that's great well the first thing they do is they're sincere about who they are they are authentically Mark Clare. They're authentically Jason Stapleton. They're authentically Johnny Rocket. The best thing I need to do is just be myself and not necessarily copy what everyone is doing, but complement it in a way, have something that's unique to myself to get people interested. And from there, you know, I, I was lucky. I've worked in DC. I've kind of worked in this business for about a year and a half of politics. And I had a good network of people that I could contact and just say, hey, come on the show and let's talk about your projects. Let's talk about what's going on in the news and everything. And let's talk about how to make liberty awesome again, because there are so many people out there you know, we all know that one guy online or that one guy at our local libertarian meetup who's just a complete closet case. He just makes the whole thing sound Alex Jonesy and dark and decrepit. And it, that's not libertarianism. Libertarianism is fun. Libertarianism is about innovation. Liberty is about just bringing out the best in everything when you have competition and you have people not afraid to be who they are. And that was the one thing I wanted to bring with my show. I wanted to create something else out there that people could listen to and share around with people that were possibly politically apathetic. They might be progressives. They might be conservatives. But they want to just hear two sane people have an honest conversation from a liberty perspective. And you're not going to get that with the mainstream media. You're not going to get that with a lot of other podcasts. I mean, there are just some out there that are just completely boring, and you've got to be part of the libertarian clique to understand what the nap is and what blowback is and all these other things. I mean, I want to have kind of like the introduction to liberty per se, but at the same time introduce them to so many great people that are often ignored by the media and other outlets. And I just wanted to give them a voice. I want to give people a different way to think about things. And I don't go and I don't go into my show saying, this is what I'm saying. And it's right because I'm saying it. And I've got a microphone. And if you're listening to this, it's the truth. I want people to think because whether you agree with me or you disagree with me, by the time you come out of my show and you listen to the topics that we have, I want you to come up to your own opinion because it's not until we get people to actually start thinking for themselves that they're going to start thinking at all. And we have too many people out there telling you what to think. All I want you to do is think. All right. Well, I mean, I, th I, I think I can attest that that is really the tone of your show because I've been on it and I had a blast. And then you're not trying to drive anything, you know, hammer think anything through people's heads. You're really just trying to open up a dialogue and create a compelling conversation. And I will, of course, link to my appearance on your program in the show notes for this show. Something else you can find in today's show notes is more information about today's sponsor. So let's take a minute to hear some more about them. 
You know, I'm a freelancer, and I purchased my own health insurance, and I was hit by some serious sticker shock after the implementation of Obamacare. My premiums and deductibles were skyrocketing, and as someone who keeps myself pretty healthy, I knew that I was getting a raw deal for a product I simply didn't want. This caused me to seek an alternative, and I found an amazing alternative in the form of health sharing, a killer concept where healthy individuals agree to share their medical costs. That's right. It's a voluntary free market system for paying for your health care that also, thanks to an exemption, covers the Obamacare mandate. Our friends at Health Excellence Select have kicked it up a notch by creating a full-service package to handle all of your health care needs. Trust me, I'm not just a proponent of health sharing. I'm also a client. This has been one of the greatest things I've ever done to leave the Obamacare system in favor of what our friends at Health Excellence Select are doing. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. And don't hesitate to give my man Jeff Cantor a call at 440 Four nine. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. Uh, now, Remzo, like I mentioned at the top there, you describe yourself currently as a conservatarian. So why don't you tell everybody out there exactly what is a conservatarian? How does that differ from just, you know, a plain old libertarian? Why are you trying to sort of merge these these two concepts or why do you see them as, as at least maybe? <laughs> well, like I said, I like to be an outcast. <laughs> no, I mean, um, you want to piss conservatives <laughs> and libertarians off. <laughs> like I said, I'm scrappy and I'm always looking for a fight. But yeah, I mean, it, it came to this point where as I was trying to figure out where I fit into the whole grand scheme of things, the great thing about libertarianism is we're truly an open tent philosophy. We have this one aim, which is limited coercion, maximum freedom, but we have different offshots of it. We have the classical liberals, the volunteers, the anarchists, the minarchists, the big L and small L libertarians, you name it. Everyone has some type of kooky self-identifier they put out there. And for the longest time, you know, when, when I approach libertarianism, I always understood that you're going to have to have a government. You're going to have to have a state. I always like the classical liberal approach of Jefferson and Madison and even Calvin Coolidge. But the thing about me was I, I always felt like I was way too conservative around certain libertarian crowds, especially when I was a campus coordinator of Students for Liberty and I went to YAL events. I mean, I always felt like I was the statist in the room, strange enough. But whenever I was around conservatives, I was always, you know, the very radical libertarian in the room. It's like, oh, you want to reform this and replace it? Well, guess what? I want to abolish it. So there you go. And there are many people like me. They're libertarian around conservatives and they're conservatives around libertarians. And I think it was Charles C.W. Cook from National Review. He wrote a book called The Libertarian Manifesto a few years back, and he was addressing this small group of people. And there are others like me. I mean, you've got Joel Curtinitis from The Blaze and the Liberty Conservative, and you even have TLR's former editor-in-chief, Keith Farrell, who's a self-identified conservatarian. I think one of the biggest things that makes us different from your average libertarian is the fact that we do describe ourselves as social traditionalists. Um, Frank Meyer was the editor-in-chief of National Review back in the 90s, and he took the three-legged conservative stool that Bill Buckley made up, which was your traditionalists, your economic libertarians, and your anti-communists, and he devised it as fusionism. It was this great compromise between conservatives and libertarians that you know kind of came about during the Reagan age and everything else. And while well, it kind of died down with the 90s, especially with the Clinton era and going on to the Bush administration, that fusionism kind of died out. We saw a rise of it come again, though, with 
people such as Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and Mike Lee, but it's something that's still kind of around. So with that, when we say we're social traditionalists, it's that we believe in the institutions that made America what it was to begin with. It's the fact that we emphasize the importance of the individual. But apart from that, we emphasize the community. We looked at the social institutions that would help mediate issues within communities, such as churches, such as organizations, everything that kept it at a community-based level. People, you know, back then, they never looked at the federal government to solve their answers. They rarely even looked at their state government to solve the answers. It was, what can we solve amongst ourselves to make sure that we can get the best outcome and help ourselves live the lives that we want? And whether it was understanding that our rights come from God and not government or what have you, it's the fact that even though we're social traditionalists, we're also very socially tolerant. We're not going to force government to put our type of perceived concept of how the world should work and project it onto you. But these are the institutions that we believe in. And the the thing with many anarchists and many libertarians is that you've got your libertines, so to speak. They put this social relativism into the mix where you shouldn't judge people, where you shouldn't have an opinion of people that live a different life from you. And that that was just something I didn't necessarily agree with. There was a piece written on the Students for Liberty blog where I think it came out with the Mizzou protesters where it was like, you can be a social justice apathetic warrior or you could be a free speech purist. And it's like, no, there's no such thing as free speech purism. There is either liberty or tyranny. You either have free speech or suppressed speech. And if you don't like my opinion, go to hell. I really don't give a <laughs> But there was that concept. And there, I mean, it's just, it's just another branch of the grand libertarian tree. And that's where me and many others find ourselves. And I think that, you know, we're small, but we're growing. And it's something that exists. You saw this when Austin Peterson was running his campaign. He brought in the Ted Cruz supporters and the constitutionalists and many other people. Because they understood that maybe we just need to live a life where we respect the opinions and lifestyles of others, but we don't project that onto other people. But within our own lives, we have a view of how we need to interact and live and all that stuff. So it's really kind of a way to describe uh, your own personal beliefs and and how how you don't necessarily – you know. Um, connect with, say, libertinism or a lot of that social stuff, even though the, the Aryan, the libertarian part of that, says that you would tolerate that and you don't want to enforce, basically enforce your personal beliefs into the political system. Is that, exactly. that a summary there? Exactly. I mean, I do believe that certain lifestyles are wrong. And, you know, one, one of the craziest things that I, I mean, ever I'll have, tell someone, if I, if I have a friend who has a heroin problem, I'm going to tell them that they have a heroin problem and they need to address it. And I'll try to help exactly, them. That doesn't exactly. mean that I think they should go to jail. Oh, exactly. And that, that's the same thing. I mean, I, I had this incident occur where someone was like, you know, if someone wants to snort up Coke constantly, you shouldn't say anything about them. It's their right. I'm like, yeah, it's their right to be self-destructive and stupid. And then it just escalates into other things. I and mean, they're right that, to yeah. to speak to them and then try to you know show them that why they're having a problem and not necessarily use uh, the violent methods of government to, to stop them. Yeah. I mean, the question should always be is, what should I do? And and what, what should I do? Should I lock you up in a rape cage in Rikers Island? Should I help you? Should I possibly consider lending a a sympathetic ear and listening to why you're making decisions and maybe help you, maybe donate some change here and there, get you in contact of certain people that could help you. 
or should I just ignore you? It's those choices. But the biggest thing is we need to understand what is peaceful and the massive incarceration we have with certain people when it comes to just stupid things, whether it's drinking raw milk or owning a gun, owning a handgun in a gun-free zone. I mean, it's just completely stupid. I mean, one of the biggest things that I remember was uh, Dr. Tom Palmer from the Atlas Network in Cato. He was one of the speakers at Cato University when I went there, and I was really just fresh into these ideas. And he was dealing with the Heller case in D.C. For those of you that don't know, I mean, Dr. Palmer is a gay man, and he was assaulted in D.C. because this guy that hates homosexuals assaulted him. And Dr. Palmer could have lost his life. And his big thing is, you know what? You say that you're doing this to protect people, but I'm a perfectly fine, tax-paying, law-abiding person. Why shouldn't I have a handgun to defend myself? And the Democrats are great at just distorting all of reality because they try and say they're the defenders of minorities, they're the the defenders of the underprivileged. But when it came to somebody that was actually a victim of hate, they were like, just shut up. Just shut up. Just stop talking. Just be quiet. Just go about your life. Just vote Democrat and just shut up. And no, that's not how it should be. People should be able to defend themselves. People should be able to live as freely as they want. And that's the thing about a lot of social justice warriors. That's the thing about a lot of progressives. They claim to be the champion of the underprivileged. But it's just massive exploitation. Now, Rebzo, when I was on your program, you subjected me to uh, a little rapid fire round, and uh, you caught me off guard with a few questions. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. So I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but um, I'm going to turn the tables on you. (laughs) Oh, no. I have not brought – now, longtime fans of this show will remember our our Thanksgiving uh, Bukaki edition with with the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. We both both recorded a Thanksgiving program, and as part of that, we sort of – did a mockery, not a mockery, but uh, you know, our, our own version of Johnny's rocket fire round where he asks simple, you know, five questions and, and you give a quick 30 second to a minute answer. And we did our own version of that. And I've decided, <laughs> I've decided today to bring that segment back, especially for you. So Ramzo, whether you're ready or not, you're about to enter the cat's cradle. <laughs> and i'll link to this episode so people can can hear the first edition of the cat's cradle but it's basically the same thing as as a rapid fire round or the rocket fire round whatever you want to call it but i'm going to ask you five possibly unexpected questions and yeah just do your best to give me uh to give me your best answer whatever comes off the top of your head 30 seconds to a minute and yeah we're gonna have some fun now <laughs> bring it all right bring it on. my first question speaking of putting you on the spot besides myself who is the most compelling? I don't want to necessarily use the word favorite. I know you love them all, but who who's kind of the most compelling guest that you've had on the Remsa Republic besides obviously me? Oh, wow. Larry Sharp, hands down. Right. The man is an amazing communicator. He knows what he's talking about. He's able to craft a message that anyone and everyone can understand and be compelled by. It's probably Larry Sharp. Great. Larry Sharp, past guest on this program as well. Second question. In the cat's cradle. <laughs> what is the most surprising thing that you've heard a guest say on your program? I don't want to call this person out, but he uh, he said if you want to, you know, love whoever you want. If you want to love on the animals and marry a dog, you can go ahead and do that. I think when I heard that, I was basically like, dear God, I hope he's joking. Well, I'll, I'll we'll let the audience go and comb the Renzo Republic archives to, to figure out exactly who, who said that one. 
if you can, you, you get the amazing no prize, All just right. bragging rights. The no <laughs> prize. We give tons of those things out. <laughs> All right. Question number three in the cat's cradle. If you could book one guest on the Rems Republic right now to interview the second you hang up with me, who would it be? Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney. Interesting. Dick All right. Cheney. So tell me a little what, more what, about that. What, what, what's, what? what's a question you would ask Dick Cheney? I think with these. Oh, Are you question? alive? Are you a real person? Do you take the hearts of orphans to help keep yourself alive? I mean, no, I mean, I think libertarians, one thing that we do is we like to kind of circulate our guests around because, you know, we all have fun. I think we're all friends. We all know somebody that was will, always willing to come on and talk. But when it comes to certain figures that have absolutely changed our trajectory as a nation, we typically kind of avoid them, whether they ignore us or we ignore them. I think Dick Cheney would definitely be one of those people who would make a very surprising guess. I mean, who would have thought the Dark Lord himself would want to talk to the young libertarian Remzo Republic podcast? I mean, that would make history right there. That's a great answer, man, because that's <laughs> I, I now want to go interview Dick Cheney. We'll go find them together. We're we'll do a, like a, <laughs> do a tag team interview. We'll do a documentary, them. Finding Cheney. Starring, oh starring Mark Claire and Remzo Martinez. That would be perfect. I actually think he lives in California, doesn't he? You know what? I that would explain or, a lot of the a lot of the uh, the <laughs> random chills I get up my spine throughout the day. <laughs> All right, were like, well, Ted Cruz is a Zodiac killer. Bernie Sanders is a Zodiac killer. <laughs> we don't know where Dick Cheney was during that time. It's true. We don't. At least I don't because I haven't looked into it. <laughs> All right. Question four. Out of all the people, all the human beings who have run for president during this election cycle, if you could just simply pluck one out and plop them into the White House as the president, who would you pick? Probably Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. I know that's a, I know that, it's going to rankle some people, but because you did really prefer Ted Cruz even over Rand Paul in this cycle. So why don't you give your quick eh, 30 second elevator speech for Ted Cruz? You know, Ted Cruz has always been a person that whenever he decides to act upon something, you see the results immediately. I liked Rand Paul's filibuster, but come on, the whole argument of can the attorney general drone strike a Starbucks, while that was a good theoretical discussion, he didn't really get anything done from that. Whereas Ted Cruz not only beat his filibuster time, but he tried to defund Obamacare, a real thing that was there. And the Republicans were like, screw you, you can't do that. We need to be friends with the Democrats. Let's just shut the government down. Ted Cruz has been there for internet freedom, leading the way. Ted Cruz has been there for the Second Amendment, leading the way. Ted Cruz was there to go against the United Nations when they wanted to do the small arms treaty. He was leading the way. Well, whether or not you agree with everything he says or you hate everything he says, I certainly didn't agree with everything he said. I didn't want to make the sand glow and all that stuff. But if you looked at his economic policies, especially his Five for Freedom plan that he put out after Iowa – the man would have been the most constitutionally representative president since Calvin Coolidge, and I would have done anything on earth to legally get him involved if I had all the sway and influence in the world. So it would be Ted Cruz. All right. You heard it here. The, the conservatarian argument for Ted Cruz from Renzo Martinez. Final question in the cat's cradle, the epic return. If you were to run for Congress, what would your campaign slogan be? Shut up and rock on. All right. <laughs> Let's talk more action. Something like that. <laughs> well, you got to pick one. There's there's cat's cradle. Oh, um, there's cat's cradle rules. Shoot, I got to stick by. <laughs> shoot! Ah. 
don't be stupid. Vote Martinez. All right. There it is. <laughs> don't be stupid. Vote Martinez. And I want to encourage my listeners also to not be stupid and to go listen to the Remzo Republic because he's doing a great job out there. So, Remzo, before I let you go, I will give you a minute here to just give everybody the full roundabout of where they can find not just the Remzo Republic, but everywhere else they can find your work. And feel free to plug anything else you got coming up, man. Yeah, definitely. For social media, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Remso101. On Facebook, I'm www.facebook.com slash Remso Republic. That's where I post all the blogs, all the episodes. If you want to listen to the show, we're pretty much everywhere you can listen to podcasts and internet radio. We're at TuneIn. iTunes is our biggest platform we want to push out. Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Go ahead and check out rwmartinez.liberty.me, and if you click the podcast tab, you'll see our full list of platforms that we syndicate through. We're growing every day. We're also at liberty.me studios. That's where you can listen to other shows. You know, I have no problem pitching that. They've done great things with pushing our show out there, but definitely check it out. And if you like the show, definitely we have our own open Facebook group called Remster Republic Nation. There you could chat with me. Talk to my producer, Ryan, tell us what you want to see change in the show and all that jazz. And we just try and have a great time. I mean, one of my favorite quotes by Ron Paul is, what's a revolution if there's no music? And we got to have fun of these things. And I I love to talk to people. I want to push these messages out. I want to help create a better, freer society. So please get in contact. Join the Remster Republic Nation today and let's just have fun. Remzo Martinez, a man sprung from the seeds planted by the Lions of Liberty in many ways. So happy to have you on the show and so happy to see that you're doing such great work of your own out there. Remzo, keep up the great work, man. Much appreciated, Mark. God bless. Take care. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the great young Remzo W. Martinez, the host of the Remzo Republic. Again, that's R-E-M-S-O, Remzo Republic. Be sure to look it up on iTunes, on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. They're everywhere, just like we're everywhere. iTunes, go find us. And while you're there, go find the Remzo Republic and leave us both five-star ratings and great reviews. Help a couple of Liberty shows grow and continue to expand. And I was thrilled to talk to Remzo today because he is really embodies the reason that I do this program. I do this program so I can have great conversations about the ideas of liberty with other people out there, but to share those conversations with other people, to share them with you guys, and hopefully inspire you and everybody else out there listening to take some sort of action on their own. Now, not everybody needs to go start a podcast or make a documentary about liberty, but everybody hopefully will in some way help communicate these ideas in some point down the road in their lives, even if it's just a casual conversation with friends, co-workers, family members. Maybe you just send them an episode of this show. Maybe you send them today's episode, since it's a great example of how someone was inspired to look further into the ideas of liberty and really inspired to communicate those ideas with others. That is exactly what I'm trying to do here at Lions of Liberty. Please become a part of this conversation. Why don't you join us in our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. All you got to do to join that is type Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar on Facebook. It should pop right up. We'll also link to it again in the show notes for today's program. And please, 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 please tell your friends, tell your family about this program. Share it on your Facebook wall. You can find our Facebook feed, facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can retweet our stuff. You can tweet to us over on the old Twitter 
at Lions of Liberty is our handle over there. There are just so many ways you can help join this conversation and help expand the conversation about the ideas of liberty. And until next time, folks, live long and live free.